We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 60 with Jason Bodnar. Thank you for tuning in to Transformative Principle today. Today we have Jason Bodnar, who hosts the podcast Principally Speaking, and it was a great conversation. We talked about a lot of stuff. I can't even remember now. It was so awesome. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. And if you are interested in joining my Slack channel, please send me an email to jethro at paperlessprinciple.com, and I'll add you to my Slack team. What we use that for is a way to share resources and a way to help us become better and focus on improving ourselves and being a community together. So I hope you'll take an opportunity to join that. And uh, there's a link in the show notes. If you click on that, that'll allow you to do that. Thanks so much. Today on the podcast, we have Jason Bodnar, who's the host of the Principally Speaking podcast at principallyspeaking.com. If you haven't checked that out, you really should. Jason, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you're doing right now. Sure. Uh, And just first, just want to say thanks a ton for having me on the show. Uh, You know, like, uh, like Jethro said, I have my own show and I'm used to... I'm used to that end of it, so this is really cool to be kind of on the other end and uh, get a chance to talk a, a little bit about myself with hopefully not coming off too uh, egotistical, but uh, I, uh, I, I am a, an assistant principal at the middle school level right now. Uh, this is my second year in my current position, and I taught science uh, for nine years at the high school level. Um, and uh, like a lot of other administrators that I've talked to, I, I didn't think I'd ever want to be an administrator. Um, but I got a little bit, well, okay, a lot inspired uh, by a couple of different things. I got a chance to build uh, my own class, uh, an advanced science class, mm-hmm. and um, also uh, had a chance to work with the assistant superintendent on 
uh, technology, uh, and specifically whether or not we would get uh, netbooks or iPads in the chemistry classroom. And that was the first time in my career that I had, it was kind of bang, bang, you know, two big things that happened that where the ball was really more in my court. You know, I didn't feel like the leadership was just making me do something or, you know, I just had to go along with the flow. It was like, okay, you've been here a while. Uh, we trust that you know what you wanted, what's best for kids. And, and we're going to give you a couple of chances to do those things. And ever since then, you know, it really did, it changed a lot of things for me. Um, before that, I was just kind of, I felt like I was an, maybe an average to good teacher. Um, and, and when you have a chance to to build your own class uh, and that type of thing and really have a say in what's going on in your classroom, um, it, it can only lead to good things. Yeah, and absolutely. so that's where uh, I decided to, to get my master's in administration. Um, I, I just love challenges. Administration, uh, you know, Jethro, yeah. is a challenge. <laughs> it is. At all times, it's a challenge to uh, to do everything that you need to do uh, and not be overwhelmed, uh, stressed out, and understand uh, time management and to stay positive uh, in challenging times. Uh, right now, uh, I know podcast listeners can be listening whenever, but... Um, we're getting close to I step here in Indiana, which is our big test, and uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of changes with that, and there's a lot of a lot more accountability these days uh, than there has been in the past, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but you know you it's it's a it's a different uh, era I think uh, in education now than it was uh, ten years ago, yeah, and. Uh, so as an administrator, there's even there's even more accountability. But like I said, that's not necessarily bad. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, so it's 11 years in education. Uh, I love being in education. I love connecting with others. Um, my podcast has helped me do that. Uh, Twitter and those types of things have been a, a game changer for me. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what can what can happen next. That's great. So um, you talked about having the opportunity to to help uh, make decisions as a teacher and um, create your own class. How do you try to do that right now in your current position? How do you try to give teachers authority and autonomy over the things that they're, that they're doing on a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, as an assistant principal, it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, you have to really be able to, uh, hopefully have have your voice uh and not step on the toes of of the, the head principal mm-hmm. um <coughs> excuse me and um you know some of the things that that we're able to do at my school uh we are not uh, a one-to-one school but we do have ipads uh specifically in the math and english classes mm-hmm. and uh one thing that you know technology is is something that I, I really uh, enjoy working with in the classroom. So one thing that I try to work with on teachers is helping them understand that even though we're in the classroom a lot, meaning administrators, you know, if you're trying something new, uh, don't be afraid that it doesn't go perfectly. You know, I think, I think we get caught up, you know, a lot of the times in those assessments and all those types of things, but there's so many unique ways 
to have kids uh, demonstrate their learning uh, with that technology, even sometimes without that, you know, we want to encourage teachers and I try to do my best to give teachers those opportunities to, to branch out, try something new, see if it works well in your classroom. If it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to dock you or anything like that. In fact, you know, that's a good sign. If you feel like you can try something different, your lesson plans are, are fluid. Um, just because, you know, you put this down on a piece of paper that your lesson plan is going to look exactly like this. It doesn't have to look that way. You know, I always try to come back to the fact that I, I'm always changing. You know, I, mm -hmm. I as a teacher, I mean, I didn't, I didn't always know what I was doing. I'm not going to pretend just because I'm an administrator now that I was a perfect teacher and everything worked perfectly and I never had an off day. And, you know, that mindset of remembering what it's like to be a teacher, knowing that no matter where you're at, you know, unless you've been a teacher before, you don't really understand all the challenges that come with that and, you know, the, what the students bring to the table uh, the challenges that they have uh, coming from home. You've got to just be able to, I think, portray this mindset of, I'm here to help you. I'm here to be a, more of a facilitator. And I, I really do believe in that philosophy of teaching more as a facilitator, facilitator now, too, um, instead of basically doing what I'm doing right now, constantly talking and and being that sage on the stage that was kind of a something I, I've been working on you know I think last year leading some meetings I ended up talking too much and not getting more more feedback from from the teachers and, and and that type of thing so that's just that's part of my mindset that I'm always trying to work on yeah and that's that's a really <clears throat> excuse me hard that's a really hard thing to do to come to come away from that sage on the stage thing when you know it's not what you want, and yet you're still falling into that trap. That's that's something that I struggle with too, where I just I know that I need to just stop talking, and sometimes that's really difficult. Um, tell me what those conversations look like when you <clears throat> when you tell teachers don't be afraid to try something new, and you let them know that you're always changing. How how does that conversation go? What is your your plan for instilling trust in your teachers to to feel comfortable to do something new that's that may be different than what they've done before. Yeah, I think what I try to do uh, to the best of my ability is relate it back to myself and that not always talking about me because that's mm -hmm. it's important to not always just be uh, the Jason show. But at the same time, when I see a teacher struggling, um, or not even necessarily struggling, but I want to encourage them to try new things and different things, you know, I help them understand that, uh, especially when you have a new teacher, you know, it's a, it's a, I think that's a really important thing. Uh, help them feel comfortable and know that when I first started teaching, I was all over the place. I didn't know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have, a, I didn't even have a classroom, so I'm just kind of running around, and, and you're almost in survival mode at that point. Yeah. But, but beyond that, I try to um, just help them understand that, I again, I, it comes back to that philosophy of I'm I'm 35 years old. Um, there are people younger than me that know more than me. There are people older than me that know more than me, and that's okay as long as I am continually trying to grow. And I can't be a successful administrator and not reaching out to others and really whether that be in my building or beyond the building 
and and gathering the information and ideas that I think are best for students. Yeah. And I think I think it's hard for a teacher to argue, well, I've been doing this 30 years this way and that's the best way to do it. You know, I get that <laughs> to an extent. Um, but if you don't, I mean, I, I think if, if you're a, a, a strong teacher, you recognize that if you're not growing, then how are, how do you expect your students to continue to grow? Mm-hmm. And if you're not taking chances, why would your students take a chance? You know, students always walk, not always, but often walk into a class. You know, I, I saw this a lot at high school level. They walk in and they, you know, the famous, I hate science. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like science. Yeah. Well, that's because it's a lot of the time to me, your experience with science hasn't been what you need. It's not because you don't like science. It's because the instruction that you've had and not necessarily across the board, but it hasn't tapped into maybe something that would really get you going. Now, not everybody's going to like science. I'm just a science nerd and I can, Mm -hmm. I understand that. But a lot of the times, unfortunately kids get through school and they just have this thing where this, this mindset that they just don't like it. They don't like math. They don't like social studies. They don't like, they don't like anything when really it's, it's a kind of a, and including myself, I think sometimes it's kind of our, you know, a teacher failure to really reach out to what, what are the needs of the student? And, yeah. and I think that's a, and it's an important thing to think about. I think we get too caught up in content as far as getting through the content, but what are we, what, how can we take it to the next level so that we inspire kids to, to not even maybe realize that they're learning science in between all the great things that you can do to kind of uh, to engage those students? Yeah, so I've got a great story about that that I'd like to share real quick. This week, one of my uh, one of the science teachers at my school was doing this bacteria thing where you go in and swab a bunch of stuff with a cotton or a Q-tip and then you roll it out on some sort of mixture in a petri dish and then you sit there and watch the bacteria grow right so one kid stuck his q-tip down the mouthpiece of a drinking fountain and then down the drain of a drinking fountain and then came back and and rubbed it on the thing and obviously that one had the most bacteria and it grew like crazy and um there was a you know it was a big deal in that sixth grade science class that this was going on. So these uh, three girls came down and said, Mr. Jones, we need new drinking fountains because ours are covered in bacteria and it's totally gross and we need better, um, cleaner drinking fountains. And I was so proud of these girls for saying there's a problem and we conducted an experiment to see that and we need to do something about it. That was an awesome thing. Now, there are a few problems. Number one, the kid put it in the mouthpiece and in the drain. So we can pretty much be sure where the bacteria is from. Number two, of course, bacteria like to grow in a constantly wet environment that constantly has, you know, other bacteria joining it. So naturally, we'd find more bacteria there in the drain. Um, And also, you know, this experiment was not conducted with great controls or in a super scientific way but I didn't want to 
you know, shut these girls down. So I just said, you know, we, if this is an issue, we should probably do some further investigation. And I'd like for you girls to like redo the test, do it in a more scientific manner. Make sure you know that you're, what you're doing and you're keeping good controls in place and you're, um, you know, you're swabbing different places and comparing the bacteria to the mouthpiece, to the drain, you know, see what, what that looks like. And you can't just take this one, um, study and say, okay, now we definitely need new, new, uh, drinking fountains. We need to have some better data to go along with that. And these girls were very excited to, to start doing that. And they were ready to, to go the, <laughs> to go the distance and, and do something about it. And what I was so proud of was that the teacher had created an environment where the kids could have some freedom to start looking at things on their own and then could then find a way to make it apply in their actual lives. And these three girls took that and ran with it. And, you know, that's, that's what we want to do in education. That's what it's all about. And so there was no, no problem in my perspective from these girls doing a little petition coming down and saying, we think we need a new drinking fountain and, and making a big deal about it. And, you know, I was fine to support them in that and say, let's go, uh, let's do a little bit better scientific experiment. And if the results are the same, then, you know, I'll be the first one to agree that we should have a new drinking fountain. If ours is, is disgusting and covered in bacteria that could make us sick. So anyway, it was a, a cool experience where it actually did matter to these kids, what they were learning in science class. Yeah. And I, I really like that story because, you know, it just kind of pains me when I think of even my my own teaching, you know, the, the, a good part of the beginning of my career where it's just, you know, turn to page 110 and it's like you're you know, boring myself and, and you think about all the opportunities out there to get kids involved. The kids, I mean, you can't beat a, a situation where the kids are doing science, real science. Mm-hmm. and something that actually connects to the school and provides the students a voice. I, I talked uh, actually in my last podcast to a gentleman that's a technology director and, out in Boston, and it, it, and, and it came back to student voice. Uh, and that podcast for me is actually coming out on Tuesday, so I'm pretty pumped about that. But, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of my podcasts, I keep talking to, to people that, are all over the gamut as far as what their official position is. But what makes them great is they have a a knack for figuring out how to get students a a strong voice. And when students come up to the principal and say, we need new fountains, we need new fountains, I mean, whether it's true or not, like you said, I think it's cool. I I think maybe you have some good scientific background and all that. Not every principal probably (laughs) knows what controls and variables are, but... um, you know, being able to just have that voice and say, this is what we need. And then, and then, you know, you, you turn it back and you don't say, no, you know, you're wrong. You say, do it again, do it better. And then we'll talk. And then, yeah, that's what science is, you know? So they're doing a real life experiment. They're improving that. Um, and that's something they're going to remember. I mean, you know, not even if you don't put in new water fountains, uh, that's the type of thing that, that kids like they like running around the school trying to have a, a say in something like that so that's yeah. that's neat to hear yeah it was a lot of fun um let's talk a little bit about the uh the differences between being at a high school and being at a 
at a middle school. Um, I, I'm at a middle school myself and it's where I want to be. It's what I love. You started out of high school and then came down to the middle school. What are some of the big differences that you see and how you have to approach your job in dealing with teachers and dealing with students? Um, I think I'll start from the student perspective because lately, uh, that one's been standing out to me more, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, as a as a high school teacher, I started off, and that was kind of a, an evolution for me too, because I mainly started with the freshman level, um, and as I worked through uh, my different teaching uh, spots, I should say, or assignments, I got more into the sophomores, and then eventually some juniors and senior classes, and even there, there's there's a lot of difference, and uh, just some neat opportunities to to talk to kids about what's next for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I mean, you can talk about maturity level. There were some very immature high school students. But um, I, I enjoyed uh, connecting with kids at that level. At the middle school level, I t- right now I'm the sixth grade assistant principal, so that's that's different, I think, than being over the entire school. Sixth grade is almost like elementary, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and we have students that, still could could uh, thrive in an elementary school. We have some sixth graders that are more like seventh or eighth graders. And then we have eighth graders that, that are more like sixth graders. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one thing that I will say has been a challenge as an administrator at the sixth grade level is, is dealing with a lot of uh, unfortunate drama <laughs> mm-hmm. that, uh, especially between girls, um, that it can be hard to just get past for these kids. They are so, you know, uh, we could talk probably a whole hour about all the different social media out there and all the, the ways that kids communicate now and how it's so different. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot different than when I was a high school teacher, even just four or five years ago. I mean, yeah, there was Facebook, but, um, all the Instagram and everything. And it, it takes about 30 seconds for one per one student to be mad at somebody else. Yeah. Uh, for a rumor to spread around the whole school. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's tough. That can be kind of a grind, um, trying to help students see a big picture. When, you, when you're at the high school level, uh, I think it, it, maybe not always, but it seems to be a little bit easier to help students kind of cope with, with challenges in that way and try to help them see a bigger picture. When you're in sixth grade, you know, you, <laughs> your perspective on life isn't necessarily terribly grounded. And, and when somebody uh, says something negative about you, it seems to be, at least in my experience so far, it seems to be amplified about a thousand times. So, yeah. um, as far as teachers and that type of thing, I, you know, I don't know that there's a huge difference. Obviously I wasn't an administrator at the high school level, but I don't know if my approach would necessarily be a lot different. Um, if I was a high school administrator dealing with or talking with high school teachers, um, I think good teachers are good teachers. I think there's really yeah. excellent teachers at all levels. And if, if you're out there and like I said before, trying new things and you're doing what's best for students, I really think you can be successful at any level. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, um, and this is no slam at all on, I, I, I just couldn't do elementary uh, I can't, I think elementary teaching, elementary <laughs> administration is another ball of wax. It's not bad. It's just not me. 
Um, hey, Jason, I, I totally thought that also, and I still maintain I would I would suffer greatly as an elementary school teacher, but I got to tell you, man, it is so much fun at elementary. I mean, I just, the, the things the kids say, the things the kids do, it just, you're having like hundreds of opportunities to smile about cute little things that kids do that it just blows your mind. So don't rule it out yet is what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> you, you might, you might find a space for that in your heart. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. And I do love, I, I, I love younger kids too. So I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't <laughs> block myself totally. Um, I know elementary teaching was not for me. How about yeah. we put it that way? Yeah, I, I know that I have, uh, friends that, that are elementary teachers and, that's I, I give uh, props to them because Absolutely. that is that takes a lot of energy. <laughs> yep, it sure does. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.